Hey, Nathan, do you know what I'm vibing today? What's that, Brenton? I reckon we should go record the podcast on the beach. Oh, the beach? I love it. Yeah, so do I. So get on the bed, Nathan. The bed? Yeah, well, we're not just going to walk there. Get on the bed. Why? Nathan, twist your knob. What? Twist it. Now dig on this. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Classic Movie Banter. You know that podcast where me, that dude Brenton, and that other guy Nathan... Help! We talk about films that are 20 years or older. 20 years, Nathan. And we tell you whether they're worth watching or whether they're worth putting on a magical bed, twisting the knob, and sending it flying away under the sea. Nathan, oh, no. <laughs> we also occasionally have weird opening gags that may or may not be funny and may or may not yeah. be quite creepy, but that's okay. It also may alienate most of our new listeners in one sweep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just, Well, the ones that are still here, thank you for sticking around. Uh, yeah. And, and thank you for you? letting us know what you thought of Barton as well. Gosh, yeah. what a... <laughs> It's great. What a good time. Join the conversation as we now segue to a brand new movie this week. Well, of course, you know, we're not here to just talk about Barton Fink again. We're here to oh, talk if only. about a film that was released in 1971. <laughs> wow. Uh, distributed by Disney, or made by Disney, I should say as well. It was ah, uh, Born and raised by Disney. <laughs> bed Knobs and Broomsticks, directed by Robert Stevenson, who also oh. directed that classic film, Mary Poppins. Wow, I bet that's not the last time we'll hear that name said today. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins it is. All right, just get it out of the system, Nathan. Get it out of the system. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. All right, I think oh, I'm good. Gosh. I'm good. We're here today to talk about an old movie. And the reason we're talking about Bed Knobs and Broomsticks out of all the classics today <laughs> is because when you and I did Court Jester, uh, that, that amazing film, we talked about Angela Lansbury's other work and how maybe Bed Knobs and Broomsticks might not have the shine that it did when we were kids. Yes, that is why we chose this film. And that's yes, why exactly. we subjected ourselves to watch it. It's true. It's very, very true. What a mood, you know. What a great uh, thing to do. <laughs> watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh. Yeah. Brett, let's just get into it. Can you please pitch me this movie, mate? Can you pitch me the movie? So, it's World War Two. Shit's getting oh, real no. in London. Again? How? What are we going to do? Hey, it's just, it's happening again. It's happening again. And uh, we're in London, you know, and and London's getting pretty fucked. And we're worried that there's going to be some bombs dropped. And you know what? <laughs> there's there's this group of uh, young children that are all siblings that need to get out of London. So you know what they do? They send them are away. Are we watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? <laughs> hey, Nathan, that's a good question. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps we'll talk about that a bit is later Is that the on. opening to that children's book? Yeah, well, that that was kind of what I was going for with my pitch. Ah. The joke is that it's uh, very similar. C.S. Lewis, more like C.S. Steelers. Ha ha. <laughs> ha, ha. So these three siblings are sent away to uh, the uh, English coastline. I'm not quite sure what this town is, but it's this small fucking town on yeah. the coast of the UK. And uh, they're sent to this museum. And all the other kids that are sent with them are all, you know, sent to the houses, like, in the families from this village to, you know... But not these ones! But not these ones. They're just kind of left left hanging out for a bit. And then uh, the town cuckoo clock, Angela Lansbury... A literal cuckoo clock, watch out. <laughs> uh, works up on a motorcycle and is, is I guess, uh, given these three children, uh, who she does not want, and she takes them home where she begins to care for them, sends them to bed... As the children seem to realise, not everything is as it seems with Angela Lansbury. And maybe there may be some 
Magic a Bruin. Ooh. Is she a witch? Nathan, I'm not spoiling the fucking movie. <laughs> is that the premise of the film, though? <laughs> I mean, the poster is them on a fucking bed. It's like, what do you think happens? Like, <laughs> hey, it's called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, okay? It might be like uh, the magic school bus. Or something. Like, who knows what this film is? You know what I mean? Like, it could it could be some... It's left to the it imagination. It could go in any directions. Could, but could, we, could we be saying that Angela Lansbury's, like, you know, maybe teaching the kids some lessons and they're imagining that they're traveling to different lands on the, on the bed? Who knows? I'm not going to give you the literal answers. Watch the movie. All right. All right. What a what a magical tale, Brenton. Uh, great. <laughs> what a premise. The kids go on some magical adventures with Angela Lansbury. Great. What a good time. Uh, Brenton, we watched this movie um, today, and what did you think about it? Okay. Here we go. I first watched Bedknobs <laughs> and Broomsticks as a young lad. Watched it back I did in the day. too. And I remember, I remember enjoying it back in the day, and and I remember, I, I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember there were certain segments in it that I did enjoy. And funnily yes. enough, I have to say that there are there are uh, there's aspects of this film that are quite enjoyable. You know what, Brenton? Can I even rephrase this? I want to rephrase this question almost just to get a very specific response from you. Would you, Brenton, adopt these children? Well, no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> and why, Brenton, would you not adopt these children who are these, the centerpiece? Of well, this movie? okay, okay, we're, we're not. We're not. That was the point that was coming, but it's not the main point of like the the point that's this film kind of sucks or whatever. Because the film doesn't suck, but these kids are terrible. Like these kids are awful. When you <laughs> compare them, when you compare them to the children and say like uh, the Pevensies in in Chronicles of Narnia, or you know the kids from Mary Poppins, they're fucking just like the worst. You know I what I mean? I have no idea how horrendous these little shits are. Like, they're all bad. <laughs> so, the point is, though, is that getting back to what I think about the overall film, I think there's some really fun sequences in this film that are, like, absolutely, like, there's there's some magic moments in this that are... Uh, I'm hearing a butt coming. Yeah, well, yes, we're going to get there, Nathan. Nathan, we're gonna, <laughs> you gotta, you got you to gotta let me say my point, mate. I'm just sitting on the bed, just twisting the knob, like, let's fly out of here. <laughs> Nathan... There's some really enjoyable moments in this film. I love the two lead actors, Angela Lansbury and David Tomlinson. David Tomlinson especially, like he's always great. But in this one especially, I love this character he plays this he's magician. So good. This magician that's kind of uh, is is trying to make everyone believe that he's he looks a real so wizard. So confused most of this movie, like. <laughs> and 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 I think that character goes in some in- interesting directions. Uh the problem with this film is whilst there's some amazing moments in it, there's some great special effects for the time that still I think hold up today and are a lot of fun. Overall, I think this film can be like half an hour shorter. There was, there was a point that no, I No, 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 Brenton. This film can be half an hour. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 there, was a point, there was a point that I'll talk about in spoilers when I think there was about 40 minutes to go and I was like, the film could literally wrap up right now and it'd be fine. Like I've had enough. Or, but the last twenty minutes are worth waiting for. No, you know? I, th- I think I think that's important as well. I'm saying that there should be like forty minutes just cut out of this movie. You could cut it out from the start. You could cut it out. There's a chunk in the second act that could just go. The ending's great. Like the the ending's a great sequence. Do you know what I thought could be cut out the most out of everything? Uh, what would you cut? I would probably say like most of the songs. And dance sequences. Well, that's that's the thing as well. So this is a mm. musical musical film. Uh, and yeah, and you know what? From, the first time a song chimes in, it is quite jarring because I'm like, does there need to be music in this? Well, there's two songs in this film that I think are quite catchy, but they're nowhere near the uh, the standard set by Mary Poppins, who I believe this film uh, shares the same songwriters 
Uh, oh, this Mary movie Poppins. shows a lot of same shit like, with Mary Poppins. Totally. Yeah. Right down to Julie Andrews almost being cast in the lead role who, yeah, so who the, passed on it. <laughs> Hence, we have Angela Lansbury. The, the Sherman Brothers, I think, uh, wrote the music for this as well. And that's really interesting. I didn't know that um, that Julie was uh, offered this offered this part. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually really awkward because like they asked her and she said, "Oh, probably not, but let me think about it anyway." And then they called up Angela Lansbury while she was like mulling on it, and Angela's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do it." And then, and then they signed her on, and then Joy Andrews called the director back saying, "You know what? I'll do it." And the director's like, "Ooh," he's like, "Ah, this is awkward." Wow. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? I do like Angela Lansbury in this film. Same. She's really good. Also a lot grumpier than I remember. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the film, she just doesn't want to do any of this shit. She's like, what's all this? I think think there's some moments that in terms of, uh, let's say, sense uh, in regards to the plot and uh, her motivations, she can become quite bland as a character in moments, but... um, Overall, I think she's fun and a, a, a good. I think kind she's of as heroine. charismatic as she can be in this. Yeah, exactly. I think I just think there's some moments that uh, are a bit wasted where we're seeing the same thing again and oh, again. If you, if you want to talk about bland, talk about the kids, Brenton. Like, geez. Yeah, the, you, the you child, love child actors. The <laughs> child performances are terrible. Like they're absolutely oh. horrendous. And and to be honest, when 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 I look back at this film, like from when I was a kid, like there's only certain sequences I remember, but I don't remember the kids. And now I remember Same. why. You know what I mean? And like, also, I forgot how cockney these kids are. Christ, oh, they're gosh. so cockney. People give Dick Van Dyke shit, but what about these kids? Yeah, these kids, eh? They're, they're uh, worse than the Lord of the Flies else. kids. They're even that more cockney. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Nathan, there's oh. a point that I agree with you, though. I think, like, when that music started up, that it was very abrupt and very shocking. Because you have a probably... It's probably 25 minutes into the film that the first song kind of pops mm. up. And you're like, whoa, it's a musical? A musical. Yeah, because most musicals just start with the song, and you're like, oh, okay, this is the tone. Yeah, like, so it establishes that, that, that there's going to be songs. But don't get me wrong, some of the musical sequences in this film are great. I don't think the choreography is that memorable. And also, the biggest problem, I think, is that all most of the songs, they're singing about the set they're in. So they're like, they go to a place, and they're like, oh, let's sing about the place where yeah, we go totally. to another place. And like, there's let's a, sing again, about there's that. only there's only a couple of songs that like really need to be in the film. Like, well, yeah. not even need to be in the film that are that are warranted in the sense of like they they kind of teach us something new, maybe, or there's some interesting. Well, that's sep- it. I feel like the best songs in musicals inform character. Like you see them having to make a decision throughout a song, yeah. or it informs their arc. But for these ones, I do think a single song actually informs any characters. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. I think I think maybe one, maybe one. Yeah, maybe one song. It's like, and and it's such a downturn. And like, if the songs were better, maybe I'd forgive it, but they're not. Yeah. Like, they're not that memorable. And like, we just saw the film, so it's probably fresh in our heads now. But give it a week, how much are we going to be humming Portobello Road, you know? There's uh, some special effects in this film. I think they hold up. I think they hold up as well. well there we go. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I, again, like, uh, there's moments in this film, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, that because it's kind of on the poster, but they steal mm. that kind of Mary Poppins, like, you know, uh, using 2D animation uh, with the live action elements as well. Uh, mm. That kind of idea is used in this film. and Awkwardly, they, like, still film it with, like, one stage spotlight on them. So you can clearly see how the set is lit as yeah, in, like, a 2D yeah. field. yeah. But I, again, I think it still holds up. Mm. The 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 uh, traveling to different uh, regions on on the bed itself, I think, is done quite well as well. It reminded me a bit of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, though, going through the fucking oh, tunnel geez. on the on the on the on the oh, lolly. I don't know what they were thinking. It's like an acid trip whenever they travel on the bed. It's like, 
Oi, it's... <laughs> have you seen 2001? Uh, yeah, as, have I seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, when at the end, like, the astronaut's, like, going through time and space, and, like, it's, like, all that, that rainbow effect, and it's, like, ooh! <laughs> He's, yeah. like, tripping balls, like... Yeah, and it's amazing, because, like, only... Only um the the male magician really like gets around it. Like he's only yeah. the one who's like who's like, oh the fuck are we looking at? And all <laughs> the other kids are like, woo! And Angela Lansbury's like, oh what a fun bed. And he's just like, this is weird ass. <laughs> like Yeah, agreed. Oh. Uh, I think as well, um like I said, I think I think there, there's a there's a chunk of this film that can be cut out and it and it'd be for the uh all for the better. I think this film should just run at around an hour twenty, maybe at the most. And the reason of it is because it has the thinnest of plots. That's like, what I was going to say. Thin, and the, as thin as a plot could be, the, Brenton. The reason, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't even say it's a thin. I'd say that the plot is a structural mess. Mm. You know what it reminds me of, Brenton? It reminds me a little bit of the Rise of Skywalker. No, no, it doesn't. Well, actually, In now you say it. Now you say it. Actually, Thank yes. You. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Brendan. I would, fact say, that- I would say that The Rise of Skywalker has a stronger plot in the sense of, like, at least it has an antagonist. It has something to latch on yes. to. That, that, uh, and whilst this film ends up does having an antagonist or, and like, an antagonist oh. faction, I guess. It has, like, a couple of people standing in for the antagonist role. The, yeah, that, that, that plot doesn't really go anywhere, and it just kind of pops up in the third act. And mm. the antagonist that you think should be set up in the probably the end of the first act, start of the second act, is just kind of abandoned. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, they'll have, like, this is the bad guy, and they'll go to a new place, and they'll be like, no, this is the bad guy. <laughs> they'll go again to a new place. They're like, yeah, so structurally, we're a bit we're a bit all over the place, which which doesn't help. But at the same time, it's an enjoyable kind of romp, you know what I mean? I just wish that there was a big chunk of it that was gone, and I think it'd be it'd be fun. Do you wish the film was deeper, perhaps? No. Like, maybe. Because here's, here's, here's my gripe with the movie. It's just like... I, I feel like it's like what it is is that it's a it's a children's movie designed to distract children during World War Two. You know what I mean? It's like World War Two's gone on. Let's have this magical adventure, and maybe we can punch a Nazi at, at one point. You know, it's like it's you know it's it's like let's let's find this joy in the midst of this horrible time. But like I feel like today, especially in twenty twenty, like it's just I don't I don't know if like a war rallying movie is, is is would resonate with children today. Like look, I, like I said, I think I think there's segments in this that kids can really get around. But in terms of it, uh let's say, sticking the landing. I'm not sure if it necessarily does that because there's a lot of filler. So much. Like, this movie is so much filler. Like, and they could have added so much as well. Like, the premise is good. You could do so much with this premise. Or, like, or even, like, when they go to places, have gone, go to a war-torn place. Have it reflect the yeah. damage of World War II. Or have, like, the war inform their voyage. But it doesn't really. They just go to quirky places for the sake of it, you know? Maybe perhaps the answer is, instead of changing the places that we go to, it's actually maybe deepening Angela Lansbury's character a bit more and making her mm. the, making some more conflict there in the sense of like, because the plot is, is that she's trying to find something to help her achieve means to, to an end, I guess. defeat the Nazis. But we, ne- we never understand really what, we never understand that, like you said, to defeat the Nazis, like that that's never an element that's really brought up as to why she's doing this. It's just kind of, they're just... I don't think we need the why. I think like, like to defeat Nazis is a pretty general motive. It's like... But I agree, but that only comes in in the third act. That's not really established. Like, sure, we see... She does say it at the start. She does say this will end the war when she says we got to get a thing. Like, at the start of the movie. But during the film, is that... I Just because she says that once at the film, it doesn't yeah, really mean that's... Yeah, it's abandoned, and you're right. It should be consistently brought up. That's the thing. There's no stakes. Like, like no. there's little predicaments they get in, but overall, it's like, yeah, there's no driving forces, no ticking clock. It's just them fucking about for ages. There's, like, there's one moment of maybe self-reflection that that character has 
has of like maybe maybe they do fail, maybe maybe uh, they don't achieve what they're setting out to do. But it's just kind of washed over as like, oh well, let's have uh, potato, uh, let's have fucking sausages and mash. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Jesus, like, when the girl starts listing breakfasts like in like British breakfasts, like oh, I'll have bangers and mash and maybe porridges and pumpkin. Toad in the old, toad in the old. Oh Christ! It's, it's like, old. well, that's the thing, especially with the kids as well. I think the only child that gets even the hint of an arc is is the boy Charlie. Who like, and his main thing is that he needs to believe more. But it's so weird because the movie abandons that arc and instead gives it to the guy magician. It's it's all over the place. Like the kids, are, the it kids aren't really. The, the kids are just. It was also weird as well. When I watched this movie as a child, I didn't know there were Nazis. I was very confused as to like why they were. I, I remember. I remember the fact that oh. there was Nazis. Like one of the. Brendan had his gun ready. He was pointed at the telly. Like <laughs> go on, pew pew. There's a segment in this film that features, uh, it's the third act, basically. It's the end uh, kind of conflict in the film uh, that I think, as a kid, that's that was one of the moments that stood out in my mind. You know what I mean? So I remember that clearly. Oh, you remember it, yeah. But I yeah. was like, why are they attacking Germans? Like, especially for young kids who probably don't know that much about World War II, you kind of got to show us why the bad guys are bad, and you don't really get a sense of that. No, they you just, just know that, you just know that they're an invading force, though. Like that's pretty well established that it's like yeah. an invading force, and they are kind of mean to the main characters. <laughs> like, like it's not. It's but, the, it, but there's, the, I swear, these are the politest Nazis I've ever I seen in cinema. I, I agree. They're so polite. Like, I mind agree. you, everyone in this film's very polite, but especially the Nazis. And you know what? It would have been great if they weren't, because that's excellent juxtaposition. If you see the totally. politeness of the British and the meanness of the Nazis, but no, <laughs> no. And I feel like as an occupying force. They're very, uh, they're they're very much ill-equipped. They're not. They're oh, not. They're, 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 I was more threatened of some of the animals than the Nazis. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. Jeez, Nathan, just... let's rate this because I yeah, can't want to get into it because this. we're kind of we're really we're getting into spoilers at the moment. So sorry about that, <laughs> guys. We're, but we're biting our nails. Yeah, it's you're fond of me lobster, ain't you? Whilst I'm conflicted kind of over this film, I still think that there's enough in here for kind of kids to enjoy, especially, but I still kind of enjoy to this day. It's just, there's moments in this movie that I think, obviously, it's, it's just, it's a structural mess, and I, I just want to, I just want 40 minutes just gone out of this movie. I just want it to be a lot shorter, and I'd, I'd be all down with it. Uh, but even in saying that, I think that those uh, sequences that are good are really good and worth a watch, so I'll give it a thumbs up. But is up. it worth a whole child sitting through it? It's like a kid these days could just look it up on YouTube, you know, like... I don't know what a kid these days would get out of the movie, to be honest, especially kids in 2020. It's like, geez, it's, I, I don't know if it stands out that much. Look, like, I, I don't even know if it stands out that much. Yeah, I agree. I think like I'd watch Mary Poppins over this again, for instance. Yeah. But in saying like, that- like, Are you going to be kinder on this than you are to Bambi or Fox and the Hound or, you know, Land Before Time or the other children's films we've done, like, or, or New Groove? I, I love Fox and the Hound, so, you know, there's, there's that as well. Do you, so, do you watch Fox over this? Oh, yeah, I would. I would, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't but know. I'll stay, but like I said, man, like, that doesn't change the fact of, like, just comparing it to other films doesn't change the fact of, like, looking this as an individual experience. Uh, I think there's enough in here that's uh, that's worth a watch if you're into something. <sighs> that If you're into a 70s, early 70s era musical film uh, done by Disney, uh, in the same style of a Mary Poppins, uh, that's got some good. But just some, watch Mary Poppins some, some, some solid leads and uh, and some great sequences. Like Brenton, the classic question we ask is, would you put this on a Thursday night? Well, I just said who the movie's for, though. Like, if if on a Thursday night you want to watch like an early seventies like musical um, family film, like this is great. 
you you get enjoyment out of this, and there's enough. That's a money very specific it. want and need, Brenton. Oh, geez, if only we could have an early seventies musical family film. Well, hey, like <laughs> I, I, that's I, my mood Thursday night. Hang on a hang on a second, like, but like you you have to put that that premise kind of in, I guess, because like do I, I don't know, like I do, like I, if it was me. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be all down to watch this. I'd be like, yeah, hell yeah, like let's watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I, I've got good memories of this. Let's pop it on, and maybe yeah. it's not going to live up to the expectations you set for it, but like there's still enough in it. Is my point that like I think it's enjoyable in the sense, and you can enjoy it for what it is. I don't know. It's true in the sense that like we, I watched this as a child in the early 2000s. So like, and that was you know as as long from the 70s as probably the 2020s is as far as like does this hold up for kids? But like, I don't know. I feel like there's. So, I feel like with the kids with their YouTubes and their streamings, I feel like who the fuck is going to rush to see Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, you know? Yeah, look, it's a fair enough point. I'm I'm just saying my opinion, so I even, what do you yeah, think, Yeah, that's what I'm here for, Brett. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know, honestly, if I'd recommend this to a child. Like, I, I, I think, especially because it's so boring at parts, especially the musical numbers. It's like, that I could just see them bloody fiddling with their, I don't know, their Minecrafts while they're watching it. Like, I guess it's cynical, but... I, I can't put my thumbs up. I think they're going to stay down, dude. I think there's no better worries, children's man. movies. Watch Sound of Music. Watch anything else with Julie Andrews. Or with Angela Lansbury. Put on Court Jester. Put, put on Beauty and I, the Beast. I agree that there's better films, but I think there's, an, like I said, like if you're looking this as an individual experience, there's enough in here that's that's worth a watch, I think. Uh, it's a bit of a struggle. That's The last thing I want to say in this that I do appreciate in this film is that when we kind of referenced it before, as opposed to something like Mary Poppins, even though there, there are adult themes in Mary Poppins when it comes to like familial ties, I guess, a kid's relationship with with their parents um, is all kind of explored in Mary Poppins. But what I like about this one is that there is an element of darkness to it that that I think is really it interesting is darker, and, yeah. and, and, and gives, it to, gives it its own uh, tone. So I do appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, here's the thing though. I'll say what I've said in other films that we've that we've done before. In the sense that I wanted to swing bigger, Brenton. If it's going to go dark, make bigger dark swings because I feel like it wants both. And if you compare some of the scenes where they go on their adventures to the end, it's so totally inconsistent. In what sense? Well, you compare like the lightheartedness they go on their adventures with versus like the end of the film when they confront the Nazis. Like it's it's tonally see, it shifts. See, see, I agree that it shifts tonally, but I think. I think I think it's one. It's a problem with the plot in the terms of, in the sense of like setting up the antagonist of the film at the start, which they do, but like they don't. It's not really a, something that that keeps recurring as to like the stakes of what's happening. But at the same time, we spend the whole first part of the film setting up the darkness of the landscape that these kids have been like sent away from their families, and and maybe yeah. maybe what you're saying is is that they needed to go deeper into the ramifications of that original premise you know what i mean of like these kids are separated from their families and how does that affect the kids maybe and yeah but so Narnia does, again does this better yeah i agree that like it does those things better but maybe my point is maybe what you're saying is is that like to achieve that they had to go deeper on those elements but here's the thing as well you're saying this is darker than mary poppins did you not see dick van dyke's face when he came out of the chimney with soot <laughs> mate that's as dark as dark gets nathan let's talk about some spoilers all right let's spoil it <laughs> You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. All right. Here's the thing with the tone. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 great. I love I love that it like we see the dark shit, but I really wish it went much 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 darker. Yeah, you know? I, I I'd agree with that. Especially with the fucking up spells, because she can't cast spells for shit, and she keeps on turning them into rabbits. It's like great. Let her fuck up some more and see how much this woman sucks of being a witch. Oh, look, I I think those element elements of the film are fine. I think the moments that we need darker is literally just the impending doom of World War Two. Maybe is like what mm. what I would say is like needs to be darker. Like they literally go to London and like sing this 
happy Portobello Road song. But, like, they're negating the fact of, like, they're worried that bombs are going to be fucking dropped any second. But there is a moment that we see we see that when we stop by uh, the professor's house, uh, in quotation mm. marks, that he's kind of uh, he's kind of taken over when he goes to that huge mansion and there's the fucking, like... Uh, there's the bomb that's just like in the front yard that's been roped off and like the, the whoever owns this place is abandoned and <laughs> yeah. he's just like he's like oh yeah this thing's great because it me- it's the reason that I get to like fucking squat in this house and they're like okay oh. and they all just wander inside and I was like fuck if that thing goes off she's not gonna have enough time to to utter like the huge incantations she has to do to do the oh simplest of spells in this film like they'd be literally that would have been so funny <laughs> that would have been so funny the bomb just goes off halfway through the movie and like and, like we just cut back to like, the animals and like oh fuck, who's gonna save we Go back to the old man who wanted the page. Like, I guess he's our best hope now. Like, oh, that's so stupid. All of this is so stupid. I like it. I like it a lot. There's a lot to like in this. But it's all. You know what the most stupid thing is in this movie? I'm going to get this out of the way right now. What it's is her it? first name, Brenton? Please, please state it, Nathan. Eglantine. And I wrote it down because I had the biggest roll of my eyes. It's like also the film makes a point of it. Like when like when like um what's his name? Like the guy who swindles, like because I want to keep because I'm gonna say his name a lot. Like the the character or the actor, you mean? Either. I'll I'll use either. So it's it's Emilius is the is the name of the No wonder I forgot it. Emilius Brown, Mr. Brown, played by David Tomlinson. No, okay, so when Mr. Brown, he like makes a whole thing of like finding out a first name when they're singing around the library, like chopping around like a ladder and that kind of shit. Which is a pointless song. It's it's just so pointless. Po- yeah, goes for most of the songs in this movie. It's like, but when he said her name, that's when it kind of clicked for me going, I think this movie is just going to be made up of just stupid, disposable things. <laughs> Nathan, what were the songs in this film that you enjoyed? What were the ones that stuck out to you that you remember? For the songs themselves and also and also the sequences, because for me the only song I think worth worth noting is, uh, for me personally again, is actually the song uh, "The Beautiful Briny," which is when they go under the under the sea and like oh, they're under bed. It's because they ripped that from Mary Poppins. What scene do they do that in Mary Poppins? Do you know this fact? What no? So that song was originally going to be in Mary Poppins. Really? That's interesting. I had no idea yeah. about that. The Sherman Brothers they couldn't really fit into Mary Poppins because they wanted her. I think when they went to the animated thing, they were meant to go on a boat. And then like right. they were meant to like sail across the thing and sing that song. And then um got cut from the movie so they're like fuck it we got this good song let's put it in bed knobs and broomsticks but the thing is like what's interesting about that is that like i don't know if it fit like it makes sense that it was cut from mary poppins because i don't know if it fits it like Mm. fits the film in terms of like the 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 songs in the film as as making a part of that like i think it's really also it's so random like there's no reason for them to go underwater and see some fish dance like it's nice but like oh yeah i agree totally but it's a great moment like it's a good it's a good sequence in the film it is like and it's like so like punny it's like look at the electric eels shocking as they dance you know like it's fun yeah it's it's lots of fun but like if if you really think about it like like you just said like why this one time when they travel to the destination does it not actually like take them to the destination they were going to every single other time Mm. the bed travels it goes exactly to where they're going and there's no like oh shit we're flying through the air to this place for some reason and like we go down into the ocean it's just it's it's kind of random in that sense but i appreciate it because it's a good sequence in the film but then we go up to the other sequence which was on the isle of nabumbu sorry i just have to say that fucking title the isle of the author who wrote this in the children's book was like what's the stupidest name i can put in a children's book and then boom the boom boot 
Christ. It, it sounds so close to Naboo as well. We, I know, I know. Misa Jar Jar Binks. Um, I would, we, could you imagine Jar Jar on that island? It would work so well. Like he's playing soccer with the rest of them. They go, <laughs> they, they're singing like uh, the beautiful Briny, like da 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 And they're going past like the fucking Gungan city, like, and the Gungans oh are God. all fucking like <laughs> dancing. And there's Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor with their little <laughs> snorkels on, just like. <laughs> and, they, uh, 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 and then they're like. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! And then they see the fish dancing, and Liam Lessons like, "Oh, there is always a bigger fish." And he's just boss <laughs> nice. Oh my God! I would love that to be in this movie. Crikey! Could you imagine? Oh, just Liam Neeson like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> he's like, "Oh, we got to get the star as well." He ends up cutting out Angela Lansbury. He, in he's half. all like to Angela Angela Lansbury. What's your midichlorian count like? <laughs> <laughs> and she turns into a fucking rabbit, and he's just hopping about like. <laughs> oh gosh! By the way, I was considering making this a special segment today. How yes. good is that rabbit actor? By oh my golly. god! Yeah, yeah, we can. Rabbit, I think we do a segment called what, "We Love Animals" because, like, yeah. that rabbit delivers. When that when that rabbit goes over and it pulls out the uh, the book from the shelf, you know what I mean? I was like, wow, that thing's been yeah. so well trained. It, you know, it, it hops on her lap, it jumps off her lap, it does all these things. I was like, wow, well done, well done. We never yeah, did well, a rabbit in our animals board. episode. And you know what? I'm wondering as well if that rabbit is from like the like from all the magic movies. Whenever they pull a rabbit out of the hat, that's the rabbit actor. I, think so. <laughs> like, I definitely think so. He's yeah. just been around for ages. Yeah. Insane that rabbits are fucking scary. And like, if you why the fuck what? would you have that as an animal? Like, why would you have a rabbit as? Do you a not pet? like rabbits? I wouldn't. Not not as a pet, like a household pet. No. Like, when well, Australia they're pets, you, you shoot them on sight. Yeah, exactly. And I do. <laughs> Brandon's like, damn straight, you shoot it on sight. He's <laughs> just charging up the gun. Well, this last week I was in like you know. Uh, I went to this family's place for a barbecue. Oh yeah, we all go out, Brenton. And uh, and you know they had like a pet rabbit, and I just fucking shot it dead. <laughs> like, <I'm sorry. laughs> and then you ate it, <laughs> and you put it on a stick. <laughs> oh, and then I was arrested. Uh, uh, anyway. Oh um, no! Could you imagine? That sounds like the most Australian thing. Like, oh, I hunted the animal. We're going to be barbecuing today. And they're like, but Brenton, this is inner Sydney. <laughs> like, we don't need to do this. Brenton, you're spit roasting this rabbit, and these kids are fucking like in tears. Like, you've 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 just like. You've just you've just like traumatized them for life. It's like, well, you know, you got to <laughs> yeah. get rid of those pests. You know what I'm saying, mate? Oh. White rabbits and red eyes—it just doesn't work, does it? It's just really no. terrifying. Do you reckon they overdo the rabbit thing a little bit, especially how they make it a plot point later on in the movie? You know, I got to say, I love when uh, David Tomlinson is uh, turned oh into God. a rabbit, and he's fucking s- nose twitch. I know he's nose twitch and his ear twitching as well, like just oh, brilliant. Geez. Do you reckon that was the audition he did for the movie? He proved Absolutely. he could twitch his ears. <laughs> the funniest, <laughs> the funniest moment is when he does it at the end of the film, and he and he mm. races back to the others in the museum, and they have this scene afterwards after he's turned back into a, hu- a human form. But he stays in like the rabbit position for a while, like for like half of the scene. Yeah. He's just like on all fours, and you're like, dude, just get up. Like, what are you doing? It's hilarious. Do you reckon there's like a weird segment where like later on he wants to be a rabbit? He's like wanting to like do animagus and stuff, and he's like, hmm. Well, I was thinking because he goes and joins the army at the end of this. He joins the which is moronic. He'll be instantly killed if you've seen him throughout. But this he movie. won't. He won't because he'll turn himself into a <laughs> rabbit and sprint oh out God. of there. He'll like okay. Like, oh. That's the movie I wish I watched of <laughs> fucking David Donaldson in the middle of World War Two, just like bullets <laughs> flying everywhere, and he and he do, he has to escape. No, it's 1917. It's the movie 1917. They have to go from A to B, but instead they can transform into rabbits, Mister. Bro- Brown, we need some we need some uh, intel. He's like, don't worry, boys. He turns himself into a rabbit and just goes behind <laughs> em- enemy lines and like 
you know, oh, scouts. That's what it should have been. See, now that is way more better <laughs> than bendoffs and broomsticks. Ah, oh. even if they joined World War Two, they fucking like rock up in the bed in like no man's land, and they're, and they're just and they're just like Nigel Lansby is just firing all bullets, just like turning Nazis into rabbits left, right, center. Doesn't that sound like a way better movie? No, I don't know. I'm happy with the one we got. I'm happy where we go in this film. And I'm happy uh, that we get to take on the invading force at the end of the film in that oh in that goodness. segment where she, which used to scare, shout out to my older sister, Courtney. Oh, hey, yeah. Courtney. She used to get, she was so scared. Like, it was like this creepy element to this film of like when those when those uh, sets, suits of armor come to life and, you know, and they start marching. Which hold up pretty the, well, special effects wise. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like, there's that moment in the film where basically the guy with the bayonet on the end of his rifle is trying to stab this uh, suit of armor and yeah. the armor plates, like the arm will pop off and he'll like go through the gap there. The head will pop off and he'll go through the gap there. Like like some of that stuff is like holds up really well and it's just like really ingenious. Like I wonder how they did some of it, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. There's some when the when they finally lose life and you see the suits falling onto the grass, like in the slowest fucking fall possible. Yeah. Jeez. But you, in that shot, you can tell where some of them are extras. You can kind of see like there's totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fine. It's 1971. I'll look over that. But like, <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? When they all fell, fell down, it reminded me a lot of Goldfinger. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Like, the, they're all like, all the like the knights are charging at them and then like above them flies pussy galore in a flying circus. Just like, <laughs> like we'll take down the Nazis. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Bridget, can I, can I spend a little bit of time just talking about the various reasons why I just like the children in this movie? Okay, sure. I'll let okay. you go on a little tangent. Go, buddy. First off, for, well, no, I want to hear your opinion on this. Here's a couple reasons. Here's Nathan's top reasons why the kids in this movie are shit. Number one, <laughs> when Angela Lansbury of, uh, like, agrees to take them into the house and she's like, hey, this is your room. Here's the bed. You get the couch. Here's all this shit. She's like, can you just wash yourselves and then I'll see you downstairs for dinner. And the middle one, Charlie's like, you want us to wash yourselves? And he's like, what? And he's like, this is a house of horror. I'm like, you little shit. It's like, all she's asking you to do is clean. It's like, like, why are you, like, objecting to this? And evidently, you must stink, because you were obviously, like, hanging around for ages before <laughs> someone actually ex- agreed to take your three little asses in. It's like, go for a bath. <laughs> uh, what What's the next point on your list, Nathan? Reason number two. And I dislike this even more. In fact, it's mostly Charlie. The other two I, I don't care as much for, but Charlie really pisses me off. What is his deal with haggling with this lady? Because, like, for the first, like, half an hour of this film, <laughs> this little shit, one, he talks back to, like, a, an adult figure, which in the 70s wouldn't have gone down. He would have gone, like, a smack in the ass. But two, he's, like, oh, he, like, he like sits at a negotiating table like he's the motherfucking godfather, and he, like, like tries to, like, outline the terms and conditions of this house. And, like, and you can kind of see that Angela Lansbury's not taking it that seriously, because she could so easily overpower him. But I'm just sitting there in the couch, in my little slippers, just fuming at this child, going, who the fuck raised you? Like, you're in World War II. It's like, you get a fucking bed. It's like, your parents are probably out serving or killed. It's like, be grateful. Ah, Nathan, was it funny when, uh, which is obvious because like she's trying to split up the sexes, but when she gives the two boys the bed and the girl the sofa... <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh at that. I'm like, really? It's like, like, like it makes sense, but like, yeah. it's it's quite funny when she's like, and you can fucking sleep in the same room, but over <laughs> on the couch. And it's such, and if bitch. you see the sofa in the movie, it's such a shitty sofa as well. Like, I know it looks so uncomfortable. It Speaking looks of really sofas, uncomfortable. how's how's that scene when Charlie, uh, the kid Charlie, he, they're at the uh, markets, and he's just oh. jumping up and down on that sofa, and it just like fucking like falls through. 
Yeah. And he's like, and he just gets up and like kind of wanders away. He just whistles away. It's meant to play off as a gag, but instead of a gag, I'm thinking, you little shit. It's like that was like the storekeeper should be like shouting at you. It's like, oh. That was such a weird... Oh, okay. Speaking of Portobello Road, how fucking weird was that dance segment? Because for some reason, Disney decided to do like a, let's show like all around the world. Let's make this like... Because also, it's in like Birmingham or something like that. And so Disney's like, great. You know what? 1940s Birmingham is apparently the cultural multi-center of the world. Because like we... Because <laughs> we got like a segment where it turns into like West Side Story where they're like, you got the Latina dancers being like, woo! But then, and even more awkwardly, there's a section where like some Indian sheiks rock up and like they do this like traditional dance and like all the characters in the movie like stop what they're doing and like awkwardly kind of watch going what are they doing here what's going on it, there's a lot happening man there's a lot happening on portobello road that's the point of the song don't you know oh it feels so <laughs> jesus it's you're in birmingham it's like ah oh, if you've ever been to birmingham like ah, oh, it's it's horseshit but shout out to our birmingham listeners because right now it's apparently lovely but in the 40s jeez. nathan there was a sequence in this film that i thought went for too long and became a bit uh repetitive and that was the famous soccer or as i call it the football sequence yeah. Do you notice that? The characters are British, but they call it soccer. I know. I thought the exact same thing. All the characters are British. And it was so weird listening to David Tomlinson say, oh, let's have a game of soccer. I'll referee it. And you're like, hang on Jeez. a second. You're from the UK. You're a British person and you're oh. calling it soccer. What the fuck? But also yeah. the fact that they're playing soccer in this movie, this makes me feel like it's the gratuitous, oh, let's get like a celebrity. Hey, look at that. It's world famous soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo. It's like, it feels like that kind of thing where it's like a sport is shoehorned into a movie for the sake of it. Oh, I don't think so at all. I think it was meant to be like a fun segment where they, the animals love love football on this island. And it's like a fun <laughs> sequence. Do you reckon the board meeting was like, okay, we did horse racing for Mary Poppins. What's a more popular sport? And one Disney exec was like, fuck it, football. And they're like, no, 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 soccer. <laughs> Look, potentially, but you know what? Like, it's a fun sequence at first. You're into it, and then it just starts... Mm. It just keeps fucking going. And it's got a good ending. Oh. Like, the sequence has got a great ending, but it just it, it just does, keeps going. But it does go for a while. If it had just had, like, a some time shaved off it, you know what I mean? Like, they do the rule of three with the... Uh, uh, Mr. Brown getting like trampled by the animals, which is great. But again, it could <laughs> That's just be wonderful. All, it just all feels a bit labored that segment. And oh, do you know what gag I also got in this movie with the soccer game? I love the vultures as like the- yeah yeah i agree i thought that was because they're so good and i didn't realize that because i never realized this as a kid but i watched this watching it today is that the vultures are not there to heal him they're here to pick up the injured so they can wait for him to die and then eat him i know i know it's great like it's, and it's, it's wonderful <laughs> and they look so happy every time he gets trampled but the king's like oh he's still all right yeah it's great they just kind of waddle out and they're like oh and they got the little like red cross like painted on them like, oh, i'm all for these vultures like they're it's great brilliant. oh they're so good. Britain, why does the Lion King sound like a pirate in this movie? Oh, I thought the exact same thing, buddy. He's got this pirate voice. He's like, yar, me hearty. Calypso. I accept that wager. <laughs> it's quite random. Like, like it's, a, like, it's a good voice, but it's just random for the King Lion character in this film. For Disney's first Lion King, I'm like, what are you doing? It's just, <laughs> it's so stupid. And I love the, I, but I do love the bear. That, like, that finds him. I do. I agree, yeah. The it's bear's a, it's fine. such a great shot as well when he picks up David Tomlinson and he's, like, showing him, like, the sign where it's, like, no peopling. Totally, <laughs> totally. Uh, I like as well in this segment, there's a good line when uh, David Tomlinson is, like, he's stealing the, the medallion. 
And and he says, "Have you ever heard of a gypsy switch?" And he's like, "No, I haven't, me, I, my lad." And then me he's hearties. like, "Me hearties." And then he's like, "Well, I'll have to tell you about it sometime." And it's so fucking stupid. Like it's such a corny <laughs> line, but it's actually uh, hilarious. Like it's delivered really well, and it's just it's just stupid. But uh, the thing with this segment is, as great as it is, as going to the Isle of Nabumbu, is uh that when they get back, the whole thing was pointless. Like it she's was like, pointless. she's like, where's the amulet? I literally head smacked when the yeah. re- reveal happened. When oh. he's like, where's the amulet? And he's like, oh, it's gone. And she's like, I should have realized that you can't take magical uh, objects uh, between universes. And then you're like, hang on a second, isn't this island meant to be on Earth? Like, isn't this meant to be in the yes! same universe? Like, anyway, besides that, at the, at this, by the same token, they didn't even have to go to the fucking island because the the youngest kid, it was in his book the whole oh. time. And it's not even like, because, like, the kid read the book and it's not even like it was, like, hidden, like, in a corner. There's a whole <laughs> fucking page, like, A4, like, zoomed in specifically on the medal. And it even has the words of the medal around it. Saying, I know. Here is the medal. It's bizarre. And this fucking child is just sitting there the whole time. It's like, what is his deal? It's like, no one ever listens to me. It's like, mate, we've been listening to you for the whole fucking film, mate. Like, jeez, I hated that scene where, like, where um, bloody Angela Lansbury's like trying to negotiate with the youngest one. She's like, you give me that bed knob, and he's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, she was it- snatched it and smacked him. Honestly, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Nathan, uh, that's that's all I really have to say about the spoilers in this film because, like, I want to just say one more thing before we dive sure, into the special segments because because this is my one of my biggest gripes as well. Why does Angela Lansbury keep forgetting the names of the spells, especially that rabbit spell? Because she says it like five times in the movie, and whenever the plot calls for it, suddenly the adults become forgetful. Look, Mister Brown makes a good point in this film, and it's a bit misogynistic, but he says. Why but why the fuck can't this woman basically like file any of her like shit you know and keep Jeez. it like on the ready he's like he's like which is true it's like what the fuck is she doing cuz like every time she has to cast a spell <laughs> she has to like fucking run to some like yeah she opens the same fucking book as she's flipping through pages it's like have your top three spells on the front page and also in your head it's crazy Do you reckon it's cuz she keeps on falling off the brim Do you reckon it's just brain damage <laughs> Like she used to remember before, but for the course of this movie, she falls off the broom once and she's like, nah, fuck it. Maybe that's just a theory. Also, do the makers of this movie hate cats? Because I feel like there was a lot of anti-cat shit in this movie. I know, but that cat was a piece of shit. It was a piece of shit. When, when, look, I liked the cat for the whole film until, like, when he had to sneak past the Nazis and then it started fucking, like, hissing and meowing oh. at uh, Mr. Brown. I was like, fuck you, cat. Like, it's a stupid cat. And you know what the biggest dig against the cat is this movie? So there's, like, a scene where, like, the cat's all, like, nice and, like, where the, where the cat's all mean to, like, all the kids in the fam. But then suddenly the Nazis come in and they really like this cat. Yeah. And the cat yeah. gets along with the Nazis. I'm like, this is just so <laughs> anti cat, isn't it? But maybe it's because the cat, there's a there's this weird shot, they go on all these adventures and then it just goes to this shot of the cat on the carpet where the bed was. Uh. And it's like been lying there the whole time and I'm pretty sure it's like starving to death because it's locked in the house. Like, Probably. It's fucking like starving to death and it's like, oh fuck, I'm about to die. And then there's the a bed, puddle like, of piss is just in the corner. Yeah, I know. Like, And, and this poor cat just got left by itself locked in the fucking house and it's just like meowing because <laughs> like, it's like I'm about to die. And then so no wonder it probably, actually, you know what? I'm on the cat side. Fuck those people. Fuck those humans. <laughs> Jesus, you turn it a dime. I love it. Oh, let's get into some special segments. Let's do it, buddy. Special segment! Ooh, so special. So, uh, special segments is a segment on the show where basically we usually like to keep things fresh, you know what I mean? We'll do some segments that are only relevant for the episode we're in. And usually yeah, they're repeated so ones that we've done in past episodes, you know what I mean? But 
This week, we're doing all new ones, Nathan. <laughs> we're doing all new shit, man. This is bed knobs. It conjures inspiration. Nathan. Yes. I want you to use your imaginative skills. I want you to okay. imagine that you are- Oh, for are, once in my life. You are a child living in London. Mm-hmm. You know, Nathan's family is, is, is in London at the time of World War II. And mm-hmm. the bombs are dropping, you know. A bunch of places have been destroyed. And it's like, your parents like, you know, Nathan and your sister, you need to get the fuck out of here and we're going to send you away. And they give you the option. They're about to send you away and they say, Nathan, we've got two options here for you. Mm-hmm. We're going to either send you to this random little coast, coastal town where you're going to meet up with this witch and you're going to be able to get on your bed and travel anywhere in the world or other worlds that you want to go to, anywhere you want to go. Mum and Dad, this is a very specific proposition. Or do you want to go to this other professor's mansion in the countryside and have access to a wardrobe that will take you to a magical land filled with talking animals uh, that you will also be uh, a king of this land and you can stay there for as long as you want and when you leave the wardrobe, you will still be the age you were when you went inside. Nathan, what are you picking? So is the question bed knobs or Narnia? Yeah, as but not the films or like the, the stories themselves. Just I'm the scenarios. Saying, <laughs> as, as, yeah, as, Which as, scenario, bed knobs or Narnia? I think it's quite clear that Narnia is a much better gig. Why is that? Because I, I think there are pros to bed knobs. Here's the here's bad thing about Narnia. Because, like, once you rock up, you're, like, expected to deliver. And, like, you got to do shit. Like, you yeah, got to yeah. take down Jadis, the White Witch. You got to restore the kingdom. You got to lead and all that kind of shit. And also, I imagine it's qu- it's quite time-consuming. Once you, And also, it's quite difficult to get out. Like, once you start your adventure, you're like, uh. Whereas, if you're on a bed knobs thing, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. By the end of bed knobs, she's like, oh, I don't want to be witching anymore. So, But they said the bed still works. But they're like, oh, that's enough of that now. So I feel like Narnia, you get more out of it. Well, the kid at the end is like, "I've still got my knob," which is hilarious. Oh, Jesus. And then, and then he, and then he gets that line. Still, this movie. <laughs> yeah. So you, there is the option that you'll be able to keep your bed and be able to travel wherever the fuck you want to go. All right. Do I want to time? Tra- do I want to not time traveling? Jeez. I feel like also it's extremely inconvenient to have like a, like a bed that travels around the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you got to like make sure the bed's safe everywhere you go. No one else is going to get on the bed. But you don't. You don't because you can just take the knob off like they do in the animal place and walk but away. But imagine you're like you're at like let's say the Serengeti and you're like fuck it, let's go see some lions. And you just leave your bed in the middle of the fucking desert and you go off and you see some lions. It's like, that thing could get trampled on by an elephant. It's like, you know. So you want to see the Sistine Chapel. You're not going to leave in the center of the Vatican. It's like the poor school children. It's like, you got to block it up everywhere. It's a good point. It's a good point. So you go into Narnia, is that what you're saying? I just feel like practically in the real world, it's like I'd rather just go off earth and just like do Narnia. What about you? I gave this a lot of thought before this episode. You did. <laughs> you can't see it. You can't see it, um, listeners, but Brett has brought in several whiteboards into, 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 into my home with all these notes and like little arrows pointing everywhere. Nathan, I'm going to Narnia and I'll tell you why. Okay, you're joining me in Narnia. Let's let's see why. <laughs> Fuck, we're going to rule Narnia together. It's going to be great. Oh, jeez, um, we'll burn it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I'm doing it is because I will get to live this whole other life where I am, mm. I am uh, royalty. Yeah, just immortality. Yeah, that I, I, I live there for as long as I want till I'm an adult and I pop out and I've lived a full life and I have all this experience but then I'm, like, fucking 15 again. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you'd be just... Like, you'd be so fucking wise, like, and ready to take on you the would. real world. You would. You'd know exactly what to do as a young person. Oh, gosh. And, as well, your best mate was mates with Aslan, who is... Who's God, who, Who's God. Like... He, who, like, is the God. But you're here's like, the thing. You're literally a son of Adam. You're literally the son of God. 
you're Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Branson, take off the crown. But here's the thing: like, if like, spoiler alert for the Narnia series, have you read all the books? I have. Yeah. Great. So then you know when you read like the what's it called, the final battle, the last the final battle. battle yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that Narnia is kind of like a metaphor for like heaven. It is, like, but it's not. It's still not. It's still no, because they it's go like, into like the not the Undying Lands, whatever their version's called. Like it's it's like it's like it's like the Garden of Eden almost. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, but like, but but it but it connotes that in Prince Caspian, that when the the pensive chil- children, whatever they're called, go to Narnia that time, that they died. Yeah, in the station. That's it. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's the weirdest twist. Except for Susan. Susan's the only one that doesn't yes. die. And yes. so. And as it like sits her, sits her down, being like, "So I've got some news." <laughs> well, apparently, C.S. Lewis was always going to write another sequel. I think that involved Susan, and oh, it was going right. to be like wrap up that whole storyline. But he died. So, and here's the thing: like, I would be cautious then going to Narnia because I'm like, "Am I dead?" It's like, <laughs> "Can I come back to the real world?" Like, I be I have that on my back a little bit. Hey Nathan, I've just got one thing to say to you. What's that? Try me. <laughs> Shout out to Jim Broadbent. What an actor. <laughs> Love you, Jim Broadbent. Uh, Brenton, I, I've got a question for you for my special segment. I want to ask the very important question to you, Brenton. What? What happens after this movie? It's a segment we kind of have done before where we think about okay. what happens after the movie, but I want to make it a formal special segment. What happens go. after this movie? I'm telling I already said what happens. So, Mr. Brown... He dies in war. No, no, he doesn't. He becomes he becomes a spy for, for, the, for the Allies... And because he, he uses his rabbit powers and goes behind enemy lines and he spies and gets intel and he okay. helps win the war. So that's what he does, right? Okay. And then he comes back home and he and he. Gets Do people with know Angela he's a magician? Do they know he used rabbit magic? No, I think he just comes back with the intel. They've got no idea how he got it. Oh, he okay. just comes back. He's like, <laughs> he's like, don't ask questions. Here it is. Like, uh. Here's the deal. Just everyone leave me alone for a second. <laughs> Passing over documents to like his commander, his nose is like still twitching. Look, I know everyone's starving here, but look, do not shoot and consume any rabbits that you see, specifically white ones, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, this is great. Keep going. So that's what he does, right? And then he comes back yeah. and he meets up with uh, Eglantine. What the fuck's her name? Jesus. E- Eglantine. Uh, Who cares? <laughs> and and uh, he rocks up with her and he says, G'day, mate. Uh, we're together. He's now. Australian now. Yeah, yeah, and and so they together and they shack up in in her shack with the cat. Right. Yeah. Um. So then the kids probably have to go home, right? Right. But they find out that their parent their house was actually bombed, <laughs> and their parents are dead. So now, oh, no. So now, so now, uh, Angela and David adopt the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Except for the little. Oh no. Yeah, they adopt the kids, and then the littlest one, because Angela's like, I don't want to be a witch anymore. I'm all done. And the littlest one has the bed knob, right? It's his knob. <laughs> okay? It is and his so knob. And so he starts a business. <laughs> 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 because, like, the aviation industry isn't really, like, you know, they're not, they're not fucking Would Qantas Would you really, yet, you though? Imagine I mean? you're, like, walking down a fucking mall and you're offered to go on someone's bed to travel on a magical adventure. Jesus, would you genuinely buy a ticket? You're like, hey, um, me and my family want to go to Italy for a holiday. Can you take us there on this date at we this time? We want to bypass customs. <laughs> and can you pick me up at this on this date at this time? Sh- sure, mate. Just let me twist my knob and then you're away. Jeez. So that's what happens. And they start the business and that's what keeps them afloat. Okay, I reckon this kid becomes a criminal. I reckon he like uses this <laughs> bed for like international drug smuggling. <laughs> Like, oh. he just, like, goes 180, and he's like, fuck it, I can, like, avoid security, I can avoid what, all what, this. What, what drugs is he uh, smuggling in the nineteen late all 1940s? Of them. Kilos of cocaine, just, like, <laughs> it, like, just bags piled on top of the bed, and he's just going oh, back and man. forth. 
And he delivers it to the same house, and like the cat's like awkwardly looking at him. He's just like just dumping the cocaine. He's like, right, right. What's that cat's name? It's got the stupidest ass name. He's like, right, sprinkle whatever it is. Like, look after the coke. I'm gonna keep on going back and get some more. And like all the all the people in like like Colombia are like doing lines, and they see this kid rock up in a magical bed, and they just think that they're really high. They just don't ask questions. I, I like your version. I think I think that's an interesting story. I think it's like I think a, just for narcos, they should just make that the sequel. You I think there should be I think there should be a series that is like this kid breaking bad basically and he oh. takes his fucking bed and his drugs and he and he begins his empire. <laughs> He's like, I am the one who knobs. He just fucking <laughs> flies over the world. Jeez. I am the one who knobs. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, I got a couple more segments for you. Uh, this is a right. quick one. This is a quick one. What was your line of the film? Did you, like, I, I want to, this is a segment that I want to start. It's like, was there a line in the film that you just, that just got to you? Oh, that- all of them were so stupid. I don't know. Give me yours and I'll probably agree. So my line of the film, I have it quoted here. <clears throat> right. Uh, this, this is said uh, before the first traveling by bed uh, yes. by the child known as uh, Paulie, Paul, uh, who's a six-year-old. Who, with his knob. Okay, so this is what he says. What's that got to do with my knob? <laughs> Jesus. It's said with conviction, and it is not meant to be hilarious, but, oh my gosh, I had to pause the movie at that point oh and just, God. like, was in stitches laughing. And here's the thing. Knob is a British slang word for dick. So you think that, like... So here's the thing. When they were when they were filming this, do you reckon, like, the adults on set knew 100% what the kids were saying and, like, they were holding back Snickers? Yeah, I, I, I totally think that. Like, uh, it, it's just too funny, like, not to have, like... Like, why is that line in the film? What's that uh, got to do with my knob? Like, that is there geez. for the adults, no, it's, clearly. No, it's, it's for the mum and dad watching who want to giggle at something, you know? like Totally, totally. Uh, Nathan, in the final the final uh, segment, which I think you're going to enjoy, and I think I know the answer for you, but I think I might have a different answer, is which ta- child performance is the most annoying? And I want to keep this segment up because I feel like there's been <laughs> films where, like... Because there's so many we'll be doing. Like, yeah, uh. like, I, I think... So, what is yours? Who Who's the most annoying child? Look, I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving of a six-year-old because he is literally six. But, like, but Charlie, who's probably meant to be, like, ten or something like that, like, he should, you know, we've seen some ten-year-olds deliver in movies. Like, what I don't like about Charlie, actually, is that he says every single line the same. Every single line he says has the yeah. same fucking cockney inflection. Also, I kept my eye out for him. Whenever another character was, like, speaking and you could just see him standing there, I deliberately looked at his, his face because he looks as though he's having an aneurysm. <laughs> He's just standing there like this, like... Hey, speaking uh, of aneurysms and a scene we didn't talk about, can we just quickly discuss... <laughs> now that's a segue. Can we quickly talk about the scene where she first tries to run the broomstick in, like, her household in the basement? Oh, my God. And she's, like, trying to fly, but her, like, body's, like, flailing on this broom, <laughs> like, as it's, like, yeah. half a metre above the ground. Anyway, that's all I had to say. Uh, Brenton, who was the child that annoyed you the most? So, I'm actually going with Paul. <laughs> I'm actually going really? with Paul. I think he's but fucking that's the horrible. girl of the group, because obviously she was fine. Like, like, I get that he's the youngest. I get that. But he is the, like... And I, I don't mean that he is, like, uh, genetically ugly. I mean that he pulls this <laughs> ugly face the whole film. His lips... <laughs> His lips are always curled, and he's always got this weird snarl that's meant to be his <sighs> smile. And he talks with the most annoying voice. And... I, I just I just every time he was around I just like I hated him I hated that he was like mm. he was always he was a victim in every scenario he was always like why is it always me and it's like but it's not you you've, you've got oh, it the best he's no you've got fucking, fucking Neville magic. Longbottom he's just like oh. a bystander who just complains the whole time it's like Jesus and he's meant to be the cute one as well it's like you fucked that up there's as well there's nothing this cute is... about this kid he's, oh. 
He's just a horrible little child. Oh. He is going to be a drug dealer. You're exactly right, Ned. <laughs> See, I fucking called it. Bed knobs and broom 6 2. 2021. Make it happen, Disney. Brenton, what steals this movie? Blinding. So in case you guys don't know, and uh, this is the first episode you've ever listened to, and you've somehow made it this far, what well stills done. this movie is a segment on the show where Nathan and I choose a still, a f- single frame from the entire film that we think is funny, that sums up the film maybe, or maybe it's just something really nice to look at. Maybe it's some beautiful cinematography. And you can find the picture in the links of the episode, both on Instagram and YouTube. Check it out and chuck a like while you're there. Nathan, I'm going to describe this still. It is, from, it is from the climax of the film where, uh, where the the witch of the film, Angela Lansbury, is commanding her troops that she's conjured up from the, uh, the suits of armor, basically. And it goes to this shot of her as she's commanding them, and she's on her broom flying around, wielding a sword, plus has a, a, a helmet on, and as well as that, has stuck a British flag on the end of her broomstick. And it's like, oh. it, I think it's gone for like the classic heroin shot, but it's like, <laughs> not heroin, as in like, the dr- not Paulie's heroin, <laughs> as in like... <laughs> we know what he's up to. It's <laughs> in hero, heroin. Uh, it's going for that shot, but it's the most interesting heroin shot I think I've ever seen in my life. There's a lot if going you, if on If you here. looked at this without any context, like, you, you'd have questions. Oh, there are questions. Like, it's very interesting because as well, the Germans can't really make out who she is because, like, she's too far away. Like, he's looking through the binoculars. He's like, the fuck is going on? Also, the way it's lit, this is obviously not deliberate, but, like, it kind of looks a bit like a lightsaber as well that she's holding. <laughs> it does. Now you say that. Yeah, it oh, does. It makes That's me hilarious. really wish that she did have a lightsaber. Oh, be great. Why aren't there magic brooms in Star Wars? That's what I'm asking. Oh, that's 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 what I want to know, Brenton. Why there aren't magical brooms in Star Wars? That would have made one hell of an ending to the Rise of Skywalker. I love that she's finally wearing a helmet because of how much she's fucked up crashing the broom. Like she's like, maybe I should wear some safety equipment. <laughs> it doesn't help her though, because oh. because in the next scene when she uh when she uh the bomb goes off, it sends her flying off her broom. And they use the funniest dummy I've ever seen. Like they literally oh use a dummy of her that flies across the screen. <laughs> And lands in the bushes. And this thing, like, ragdolls the fuck as it, like, flies through the air. And it is the funniest... is one of the funniest moments in the film. Oh, it's so good. I laugh so much at that. I kind of wish she was impaled on a spike and, like, just died in front of the children. I thought I would have laughed so much at that. Is that the darkness you were referring to that you wanted the film to go for? That's it. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Sorry. No, I'm good. Let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey. Hey. Let's look at this film's poster. Blenton. Yes? Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? Hey, look at this piece of art. Dear Lord, this is a beautiful poster. (laughs) You'll be (laughs) witched, you'll be dazzled, a most magical adventure beyond anything before. And it's so funny. Like, poster could also be found um, on our Insta and YouTube. And, like, despite what this movie is, this is an excellent poster. It's such a good poster. This is amazing. This is one of the best posters I've seen. Agreed. Like, it couldn't be any more perfect. It's like, so artsy. It's like this beautiful, like, mosaic kind of, like, you see the island with the animals, like, up top on the first half, and then below it, they're underwater. And, like, but they're painted, like, in this beautiful kind of 1950s, like, 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 like art, like, style. It's gorgeous. Like, if you saw this poster out and about, would you take your kids to see this film? Yes! Like, it looks, like it looks so much so fun. Good. It looks so much fun. It's so vibrant. It ex- it's exciting. But i got to say one thing. They got all the characters right, but that looks absolutely nothing 
like Angela Lansbury in this film. Oh, God. She looks as though she's 20. Why did she ever wear something that looks like that in the film as well? Jeez. Oh, speaking of, the, what, of what she was wearing in the movie, how fucking horrifying was the dream of her on the train tracks? <laughs> oh, my gosh. His vision of her. That, oh, was, that, that was, was so creepy. <laughs> oh, I was groaning. Oh. It was wonderful. It was wonderful for that reason. Thank Nathan. God they didn't put that in the poster. Jeez. It should <laughs> it should have been this instead of just her in the bed with like a fucking yeah. cocktail. Like, oh. With the seahorse. Jeez. Uh well title talk. Ooh, it's the title. Brenton, were there bed knobs and broomsticks and bed knobs and broomsticks? Nathan, I don't know about this title because when you think about it. It could also be used as the title for, like, a porno. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) Brenton, this is not a family show. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you're not wrong. Do you get get my point? Like, I feel like... Brenton's, like, writing his, like, porn script in the corner while he's watching this movie. Like, I've got an idea. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like when the kid says, uh, what's that got to do with my knob? I think the word knob, like, is just... It's too funny. Uh, And even in the 70s, people would have been giggling as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... I'm going to take my kid to see bed knobs and broomsticks this weekend. What? (laughs) Also, I don't think I've ever said in my life ever said the word bed knob outside referring to this film. (laughs) Well, what do you call a bed knob then? I just, one, I don't see them because I'm not living in like the 1900s. And two, (laughs) when I do see them, I don't point them out. Like, oh, look at that bed knob. You know what I mean? Well, I guess it's the word that describes it. Bed knob. And you know what? To prove it, how outdated it is, I remember as a child watching this movie and they'd be like, fuck yeah, magical bed. I want to go with that. And like going to like my grandparents' houses and they didn't have bed knobs on their beds and I was like visibly upset. Where's my knob? <laughs> I screamed at them and they smacked me across the face for the rudeness. Jesus. Oh. Oh. I like the title. It's a little bit it's a little bit quaint, but and like, yes, there were bed knobs I, and All jokes aside, I, I think this is a perfect title. Like, I, oh. I can't think of something that I'd, I'd call this instead. You know what I mean? I mean, there was only one broomstick in the movie, though. So I guess No, that's there wrong. was two. One got snapped at the start, and the other one uh, was they found in the in the castle at the end. So Jesus. there was two. So there are two broomsticks. Oh, so fine. It I guess does it's make a good sense. title then. Alrighty. So, Nathan, shall we pass that power? Yeah. All that, all that, all Angela Lansbury's power to the people? Pass it here. What? The power to the people. So, Nathan, on the tomato meter, Ooh. this film has a critical consensus of 66%, with an audience score of 74. I'm, I'm glad the critics aren't that warm to it. Like, only two-thirds of them. That that makes me smile a little bit. I, I think that's about right. I think the somewhere between this audience score and the critic score is where it kind of sits. You know what I mean? I think it's like a solid seven. From Ryan Cracknell, Movie News. He didn't like it, Brendan. He gave it Rodden, and he wrote... Has many moments rooted in movie magic, but there's also a whole lot of filler that brings the movie to a length that's more than bearable. Ryan, that's a perfect review. That is a perfect review. Once again, we find critics that are better than us. (laughs) That's literally the whole point of this segment, is that so people can walk away with some idea of like... (laughs) Now for some sophisticated opinions for once. Uh, Ethan L. gives it two stars and says, the movie earns minor points for the last 15 to 20 minutes that make up that makes up for the rest of the DOA film. D+. plus. What does DOA mean? Dead on arrival. Oh, okay. Obviously, Brandon's not hip with the kids these days. So. <laughs> Yo, what's that got to do with my knob? <laughs> Jesus Christ, get out of my house, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I must say, like, the, like, I can imagine people who sit through this because it's got no plot and being like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, the Nazi stuff is kind of worth it. But like, I mean, I still I still stick by my thumbs down. But like, I just say fast forward to that. Dane T gives it one star and says, "Way too long and drawn out to enjoy." 
Most musical numbers could have been deleted without affecting the story. That's very true. Very but, um, true. I don't, I don't know if it's way too long and drawn out to it. I think there's still enjoyable moments in here, like I said. No, nope, I'm with like, Dane. I think it's too long, but, you know, I, there was for, for the most part, until a point, I was enjoying myself with the film. You saying that Bedknob was too long? Nathan, go to the next review, please. <laughs> AI Diggy from 2000 wrote on YouTube, Great childhood movie, like Mary Poppins on crack. Hey, man, by, by AI... Aldi Diggy, what is it? AI Diggy's uh, profile picture. That is like the funniest picture. I just have to draw attention to this because it's it's the most ridiculous picture. It's like the ghost mask from Scream with a tongue with a wad of cash that it's licking. It's bizarre. Anyway. It's very weird. Uh, but back to what they said. Mary Poppins on crack. I don't know. I feel like Mary Poppins might be a bit more zany than this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm glad he picked up the drug element of this movie, Brenton. What foreshadowing. Door, Nick. Uh, says, just so we're clear, this is a Disney movie where a witch uses black magic to summon up the souls of the damned and then uses her undead army to fight Nazis. This is the greatest film ever made. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great because when you hear the premise and the pitch like that, it does sound like a great film. That's that's the climax of the film. Yeah. But that's the movie I wanted. And that is Bedknobs and Broomsticks, ladies and gentlemen. That is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh, what a movie. What a movie. What a wild ride. What a good time. It was great to chat to you, with uh, Nathan, about it. It was great to revisit this after so many uh, years. The court jester it inspired this magical moment, Brenton. What a it certainly fucking did. great time. Uh, and, guys, if we've inspired you in any way today, uh, be sure to head over to the uh, podcast, uh, the Apple Podcast app and uh, give us a review on there or subscribe to us on whatever platform you use, um, you're using at the moment to listen to us. G'day. Yeah, all the links down below. You'll find us there. Talk to us. Let us know what you think about bed knobs. <laughs> Would you twist your bed knob to go to magical places? Also, uh, just so you know as well, you can find us on the Instagram where we have a page with all of our updates and stills and photos and all that good stuff. So if yeah. you could follow us on there, give us a few likes, have you know, continue the conversation. We love it. Uh, we're also on the Twitter sphere. Find us at Classic Movie Banter there. And obviously, we're on all those other platforms uh, that you can find all us on. Them. But you can send us an email as well if you want to be classy and send us a little letter. We like to read those as well. Oh, Brenton. Well, oh, come on. Get on the bed. I guess guess we're off. Off to the beach. I guess we are. But Nathan, I've got a question of you. What does the beach got to do with my knob?